Today's daf is Ayin Zayin. However, we are back on Ayin Vav Amad Aleph, the middle of the page, at the two dots, Rup Shimon. So we yesterday we dealt with the following question. The, the Mishnah stated that if a person stole an animal, right, and then he consecrated it and slaughtered it, he doesn't pay Dalit Vehei. There's no Dalit Vehei to Hegdish. And if it became consecrated, we have to discuss how it became consecrated, because the Chorah, if he stole it, how could he consecrate it? But the bottom line is that when he consecrates it, and then he shechts it, there's no Chiyuv Dalit Vehei. So the Gemara had the following question. The Gemara says, okay, I buy into the fact that we're talking about over there, let's go to Rabbi Yochanan Shita. There had been a Yush by the original owner, which means that uh, when the person consecrates it, it actually becomes Hegdish, and once it belongs to Hegdish, you could argue, therefore, when he goes ahead and shechts it, so he's not shechting the original owner's item because it's out of the domain of the original owner, fine? And therefore, there's no Dalit Vehei, just as there's no Kefal by Hegdish, there's no payment of Dalit Vehei for Hegdish either. Got it. But the more question is, but, we know that you're chayv dal not just for slaughtering, you're also chayv dal for selling. Now, selling doesn't have to be necessarily a sale, it could be a gift too. Anything that transfers it from the domain of the original owner to a new owner is also considered to be an act of mechira, and therefore should be chayv dal So the Gemara's question was, so why aren't you chayv on the actual making it hegdish? on the actual act of making it Hegdish, which takes it away from being the original owners to now becoming Hegdishes, why aren't you Chayav Dalai on that Mechira as well? And what the Gemara answered is that the Tan of our Mishnah holds is that when you make a sale, so the person who's involved in the sale, initially he'll say his name is Ruvain. So Ruvain sells an item to Shimon. What makes it a sale or a gift, any form of transaction, is that from, it goes from being identified as the seller's item to being the buyer's item. Whereas Hegdish is unique, even though it actually, logistically, legally, it becomes Hegdish's in, in, in that it no longer belongs to the original owner, but at the, the fact is that the thief was the one who was Magdishit, he was the one that Magdishit, it's viewed as, let's give him the name Ruvain. It's when you Magdish something, the person who consecrates it, it's always identified as his animal of consecration, which therefore, it doesn't cross the I's and uh, cross the T's and dot the I's of what is considered to be a full Mechira, and therefore you're not high on the dollar the hay of the transferal, because it's still viewed as the thieves in terms of since he was the one who was Magdishin. That's what we explained yesterday, and that's why there's no dollar the hay by the by the Magdishin, but uh, as and, and for sure not by the Shechita. The, the, the Gemara wants to do, uh, do now, and again, the Gemara is erroneously going to assume the position of Rab Shimon and then have a problem with it. What Rab Shimon, at the end of a Mishnah, he dissents, and he says, well, you have to make a difference, you have to make a distinction whether the type of consecration was a neder or was it a nedova? What is it, a hare alai, which means that I am financially responsible even after it becomes consecrated, or is it a hare zoo that I'm only responsible to make sure the animal is brought, but I'm not financially responsible for underwriting. Now, the Gemara assumes right now, what nakuda, what point 
is the dissension of Rav Shimon addressing, meaning what is he arguing with the Tanakhama? So the Gemara assumed right now that he's, assu- he's, a, he's arguing with this last piece of Gemara that we just said, the last one we just explained to Tanakama. The Tanakama said that when you consecrate it, that when the thief consecrates the item, he's not chayev for a mechira because it's always considered still to be the thief's. Comes along... That when the thief consecrates it, since he's still, whatever, say his name was Ruvain, it's always considered to be still Ruvain's. It doesn't become, not viewed as completely as Shimon's, therefore it doesn't fill the complete rules. Ruvain is a thief. Ruvain is a thief. Shimon is the base of Megdash. It's not considered ah. to be, uh, con- no. uh, it's still it's identified. It's still identified as is, therefore you can't I say Chav Mechira. No, no, no that, that already we said it's out of that person's domain when he's marked this right now. Okay. Now, the point that the Gemara thinks is that Rabbi Shimon is disagreeing with that concept. I mean, Rabbi Shimon says, well, it depends. What kind of consecration did he give? Yeah. Did he give a consecration that makes it that he's no longer financially liable like in a Dova? Or did he make a consecration where he said that that I'm always going to be financially responsible until this animal is actually brought. That's what, now, so the Gemara assumes right now is he doesn't buy into this business. And what do you mean? It was called Ruvain's, it's still called Ruvain's. No, if you consecrate it, that's a transaction. You have gone and given it over, you've transferred it to the other party. And bottom line is that should be viewed as a transferal. The distinction is what kind of transferal was it? Was it one that you're still legally liable on or financially liable or why is it not? That's what the more assumes the argument that Rav Shimon's addressing that point, but we're gonna see it doesn't work with the wording of Rav Shimon. Let's see it inside. So, the more is like this. Let, let, me, let, me, let me just explain the next few lines outside so let me just make it completely, uh, you know, much easier to. If in fact, right, bear in mind right now, the assumption is that Rab Shimon is arguing with the Tanakama. Tanakama says that the thief cannot be chayev for mechira because even after he consecrates it, which is i.e. selling it to Esau Mikdash, it's still attached to him. It's still considered like his, his animal. The people identified as Ruvain's animal, the thief's animal, therefore it's not considered a real mechira. And that comes along with Tanaka, Arab Shimon. So what are you talking about? I don't buy into that. But what is the difference? Is he still considered financially responsible or is he not considered financially responsible? Now let's make sure that that would be, if that's, let's follow that through. So what would it make sense then? Then in what, in which case is the Rav Shimon disagreeing with the Tanakama? Is he saying is that I agree with you, you're not financial, you're not Chayav Dal when you're consecrated, when what? When you're still financially responsible or you're not financially responsible? Exactly opposite. Okay. If you're still financially responsible, that means that's when it's still identified oh, as yours. Okay. Therefore, the sale is not a good Got sale. It. When it's not, when you're not financially responsible, okay. then I hold that as a complete transferal. In such a case, then you should be chayv dal day. That's what should be the point of. But the problem in the Mishnah of Shimon says exactly the opposite. In the Mishnah of Shimon says that when you are financially responsible, then you are chayv the dal day. When you're not financially responsible, then you're not chayv the dal day. So it can't be that he's arguing with the Tanakama whether or not the consecration is considered a mechira or not. That can't be because it doesn't fit the position taken by Rav Shimon. That's the point the one's going to make. Let's see it inside. 
All right, Amri, the Bnei Yeshiva, again, with the erroneous understanding as to what Rabbi Shimon is disagreeing with, Nehida Savar Rabbi Shimon, that uh, even if you tell me that Rabbi Shimon takes the position, that he doesn't see a difference between whether you sell something to a person or you consecrate it, i.e. thereby transferring it to Hedish, really either way you should be chai the dal the hay from having taken it away from the original owner, either way. But but then his position should come out the opposite. It should come out where you're still financially attached to the item, where you're still financially responsible. That should be where you're putter from the dollar vehay, because that's not a good mechira. And where you're no longer attached to it, because i.e. you're not considered financially responsible, that's where you should be high of the dollar But he says exactly the opposite, so it can't be that that's the point he's arguing on. Where there is a financial liability, a case of a harayalai. So then, potter, that's where you should be potter because it's not a complete mechira. Because it hasn't left completely from the domain of his rishus, his being who? The thieves. Because he's still financially responsible. But in those carbonas where he's not chayiv, in Achrais, where it was in Adava, that's where you should be high because the Mafkin does leave his rishos completely. So therefore, we're trying to understand what exactly is Rav Shimon disagreeing, and the disagreement is going to be dependent on whether it was a neder or an Adava, or Harei Alai or Harei Zu. It can't be on the, so the Gemara says like this, you're right. And it's, it's a, I find this answer a little difficult, but what Mara is going to say is like this. When it comes to cons- consecration, he agrees with completely, 100% with the Chachamim. When the thief consecrates it, it's not considered to be like a Mechira, because it, the one who consecrates it, even after consecration, is still identified as his animal, and therefore it's not like a Mechira, it's not a complete transferal. It still remains Ruvain's animal, doesn't become Shimon's animal. That he agrees to. So what is he arguing with? Says the Gemara, he's arguing with something that was said at the beginning. Remember the Mishnah on here that we had, on, uh, was it on Ayn Dalid? is actually the second half of the Mishnah that we had at the beginning of the Perek. What he is arguing is with a case all the way back with the, in the first part of the Mishnah in the beginning of the Perek. We had in the Mishnah, the Mishnah brought down two cases. That if somebody, let's say Ruvain steals the animal and Shimon comes along and steals it from Ruvain. Hagonav minaganav. Right? So the Tanakama said that the, the, the second Ganav might have to give the item back, but he doesn't have to pay Kefal. Why doesn't he have to pay Kefal for his theft? Because the Torah says when, on the, in the laws of Kefal, that you're only chayv Kefal if you steal it from who? From someone who is the owner of the animal. When you steal it from a thief, the thief's not the owner of the animal. And mainly you don't have to pay the kefal. Which therefore also means that if he shechted and slaughtered it, he would not have to pay the dal vei. Because if you don't have to pay the kefal, you don't have to pay the dal vei. Right? That was the... The second ruling in the Mishnah was that let's say Ruvain actually... Let's say the, the homeowner. The homeowner actually consecrated an animal. In his backyard, he has a carbon that he's waiting to take to Yerushalayim that he wants to bring to Yerushalayim as a carbon. And comes along a thief, and the thief steals it from him. Right? 
There too, says the Tan of our Mishnah, you do not have to pay kefal. I, the thief, stole it. But why does he have to pay kefal? Because once you consecrate it, it's not considered as if you're stealing it from the house of the owner. Who's it considered like you're stealing it from? Second case. There was no, only one thief. Thief stole it from, he stole it from Hegdish. That's not from the Beis Ha'ish. That's not from the house of the, oh. So therefore, you're also part of it. So the Tanakhama in the beginning of the Eric had two cases. One is you steal it from a Ghanav and a Ghanav. The second Ghanav doesn't pay Kefal and therefore doesn't pay Dalai Bay because that's not considered from the home of the owner. And the second case was if you steal an animal that the homeowner had already consecrated, the Tanakhama said also there, you do not pay kefal to the homeowner. Why? Because once he consecrates it, so when you steal it, you're stealing it from the base of Migdash, that's not going to steal from the base of Ish. On this second case, comes along Rav Shimon. I mean, Rav Shimon over here is going back on that case. And he says, one second, let's determine what type of consecration did the homeowner do. Because if the homeowner consecrated as a nether, a hare alai, once he's considered still fully financially responsible for the animal, it's still considered like it's his, and therefore the guy who steals it is stealing it, not from him. We don't look at it like he's stealing from the base of Migdash. You're stealing it from the homeowner, and therefore they will be careful in that case. And therefore, if he does slaughter it, there'll be dollar behave. That's where Rav Shimon, now we understand there's a distinction. I agree with you and it's a Harei Zu and he's no longer financially responsible. That's considered not stealing it from the owner. You're stealing it from the, but then in the case, we're stealing it from a person who's financially responsible. That's the point that Rav Shimon's coming to address. Let's see it inside. Sigmara <coughs> says like this, Amri, the Bnei Yeshiva answered, Rav Shimon Amil Sachri Tikai. He's going on another point completely, not on the point that's at the latter part of our Mishnah about consecration, whether it's considered transferal or not. That's not what he's discussing. He agrees to Chachamim on that point. The way you understand what Rav Shimon is teaching us is the following. The Tana in the beginning of the Perak said, that a person who steals from another person, he doesn't have to pay Dalvehe, he doesn't pay Kefir, he doesn't pay Dalvehe. And so too, if the homeowner had consecrated an animal and the Ganav came and stole it, stole the carbon from the homeowner, his potter, he'll be exempt from paying the kefal and the dalavei when he slaughters at my time, uh, because the gunami beis in the parsha of kefal it says beferush. Where was the item stolen that triggers the laws of kefal mi beis from the home of the owner? And in these two cases, the thief is not stealing it from the home of the owner. Below mi beis The second case is you're stealing from the beis hegdish. From the when you steal from the beis hegdish, lo, there's no kefal when you steal it mi beis hegdish. On that comes along, Rav Shimon says, that if you stole a carbon that was a hare alai carbon that the homeowner had placed on himself, he ensured that this animal, this will be brought or a substitute will have to be brought no matter what happens because he fully ensures uh, uh, the bringing of this animal, then my, then you're, then you're going to have my time. What's the reason? Because Karina Bay, because then we do read the Pasuk, that we apply the Pasuk of the Kuna Bibay Saish. It is considered stealing it from the Bay Saish. 
right? Because in such a case, since you are financially liable for the animals, it's like you are the owner of the animal. But where you did not take financial responsibility was an adava, which means how did you consecrate the animal? You didn't say hare alai. What did you say? Hare zu. This has to be brought. Something happens to it, I don't have to bring it. Then in such a case, Potter, you will be exempt. From Kefal and Talib Vehei. The law Karina Bey, they're going to be ex ish because there he agrees that's not considered stealing it from the house of the owner. Now the Gemara asks a Gavaldig Kasha. Right? Listen to this Kasha. We learned earlier a machlokas between the Chachomim and Rab Shimon, Rab Meir and Rab Shimon. If you shecht an animal, you, you steal it, right? You have a Kefal. And then you shechted it, did a great shechita, perfect shechita, open it up. And it's a trefa. One of its lungs are completely perforated. Kachamim say, you're chayv da'al v'hei. The fact that you cannot eat it doesn't take away from the fact that you shechted the guy's animal. Because they say, a shechita she'en a A shechita, even if it's not fit to be consumed, still has the laws of a shechita and you're chayv da'al v'hei. Rab Shimon said, no. In order to give it the legal din of a shechita, what has to be the outcome? You have to be able to eat it. If you cannot eat it, then what? Then you are not chayv dal vehe. Asks the moral like this: We know that there's halacha of shchut echutz. If you take a korban, you shecht it outside the azora, that animal becomes oser bahano. You chayv kares, terrible avera. Could be right. Bottom line is you can't eat it. All right. So asks the moral like this: How can Rab Shimon say that when the person says? that he takes financial responsibility on the animal even though it's a carbon that if the thief will steal it and he will slaughter it that the thief will be for such a thing since he's shechting a carbon outside of the base amigdash that animal is not going to be consumable so therefore no 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 in this case no in this case he didn't check the carbon similar to that the thief shechting in his backyard so then why are you chayav da'al v'hei? That, there are going to be three different answers to this question, but that's the question that the rest of this arm is going to be dealing with. Every other question. So the question I have a question. The thief, what if the thief doesn't know that it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's hagdish and it's... Uh, so it doesn't matter. It still doesn't make it edible. And the fact he doesn't know it doesn't, it doesn't make it. He won't be chayav kodres, but it doesn't make it edible. So, so his obligation to pay you da'al v'hei, if it's not edible, then... You're saying he does. It's not a shechita. According to Rabbi Shimon, it's not edible, it's not a shechita. It's not chayv down. It's like shooting it in the head. No chayv down would behave for that. Let's see. Let's see what he wants answers. So he wants to as follows. So mechti, let's see. Shma'in and later Shimon, we have already heard the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Tamar shechita she'en ra'uya. That an animal that's not a shechita, that's not, does not result in a consumable item, lo shma shechita, is not considered to be a shechita. So kachim nami, shechita she'en ra'uya hi. So shechting this kachim, should that not also be a shechita she'en ra'uya? Right? Why is it shechita she'en ra'uya? Because when you shecht an animal, the bottom of Ayn Vav, when you shecht an animal, outside of the Azara, it's also to be eaten. And therefore, what's the question? Therefore, how could Rav Shimon hold that when it's your financial responsible for the animal, the thief's gonna have to pay you it's not a shechito. Three answers. First two are Rabbi Yochanan's, the third one is Rish Lakish. Kiyazer Avdimu, when the student of Rabbi Yochanan, Avdimu came from Eretz Yisrael to Bavo, he, Yochanan, he said like this, the case was, that the animal that was consecrated was an unblemished animal, and the thief himself took it to the Azara. 
The thief took it to the Azorah. He shechted it in the Azorah. L'shem Bailin. I mean, the Shechita, the thief, I guess maybe he got, he got, he got a guilty conscience, but whatever it is, maybe he found out it's a carbon. He took it to Yerushalayim, took it to the Azorah, and he shechted. That takes away the question. Why does it take away the question? Because now the Shechita... And therefore, what? It's a Shechita Re'uya. It's an edible Shechita. So, ask the Morah, but then why should he have to pay? The reason why Yechai is because it's a further act of theft. You're furthering the theft that was done. If you take it and bring it for the sake of the owner in the Azara, ostensibly, what have you done? And therefore, it's like you returned the animal to the owner. So therefore, that's not extending the theft. Therefore, there should for sure not be a dollar of It's like you returned the principles, like you returned the animal to the owner. You saved him the allow flight. But you, 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 you don't, you, you don't chayiv, you should not be chayiv dal vehe in such a case. You might still be chayiv kefil, but you're not chayiv dal vehe, right? Or any other problem. So what it says like this, l'cholro, so he said, the shach, the tmim, he said, he said it was an unblemished animal, so it means it could be slaughtered if him in the azara. L'shem, and he did it for the, the sake of the bailing. So what it says, one second, then it should be as if the principal went back to the owner. What does it mean it should be as if the principal went back to the owner? What is that we're asking? Should be like the principal went back to the owner. The goes back to the owner. No, if you shecht it on behalf, it's like you returned it to the guy. So if you returned it to him, so then now that you shechted it, why should you have to pay the hay? So the says, I'm Rabbi Yitzchak Barin What happened was, is that the shechita went fine. So it was considered a good shechita, but in order for the animal to, to, to be considered discharging the responsibility of the owner, you have to sprinkle the blood. And the blood spilt before it could be sprinkled on the Mizbeah, which means that from the, from the owner's perspective, you haven't returned it to him because he still is responsible to bring another animal. Why is he still responsible to bring another animal? Because the owner has said a lie. No, a hare a lie? The, the, we're talking about a hare a lie case. Okay. So, but why? Why is he responsible for bringing another animal? Because since it did not discharge his obligation because the blood spilled before the Zrika. So, we, so one of the things that you've taken care of the problem, Shechita was a good Shechita because it was in the Azura. But on the other hand, but to say that you returned the animal to the owner, Shenishbach, uh, it spilled. So there, but to say that you returned it to the owner, to say that you returned it to the owner, it doesn't apply now. you can't say you returned it to him. You can only say you returned it to him if he doesn't have to go back and pay for it. But he does have to go back and pay, so that's not considered returning. Therefore, in such a case, but you will not be chayav dalveh. You, 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 I'm sorry, therefore you are chayav dalveh because you're not considered to have returned the animal to the owner. All we took care of the problem is why it's not considered a shechitas chutz. A shechitas ain't ruir because you shechted it outside. That's answer number one. So that was when Rav Dimi, we have two, there were two students of Rav Yochanan, they used to come, a uh, number of students, but they used to go back from Eretz Yisrael to Babel and Babel to Eretz Yisrael, bringing the Torah of Rav Yochanan to Eretz Yisrael. One was Rav Dimi, the second one is Ravin. Ki asa Ravin, when Ravin came, I'm Rav Yochanan, he said the case is like this, is b'shochet mimim b'fnim shalom What happened over here was, yes, the thief took the animal into the Azara, but he did not shecht it on behalf of the owner. Now what that does is, the first Mishnah Masechus Vachim teaches us that majority of korbanos, if they are shechted in the Azara, but not with the intent of the owner, right? Not with the intent of the owner. The animal is a good carbon. The animal is brought, the animal can be consumed, but it doesn't discharge the owner of his liability. He still has to bring another animal, which means that's why over here, in this instance, it's a hare alai. If it's a hare alai, he has to replace it. And therefore, the carbon's not a shechita she'en Why is it not a shechita she'en Because it's not 
No, it's not a. Why is the problem that it's Andrew? Because it was shechted correctly. Why is he chayiv dal vehei? Because it's not viewed as returning. Why is it not viewed as returning? The owner still has to. Correct. He didn't do it on behalf of the owner. That's the, so. We have two answers in Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan, according to uh, 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 according to Rav Dimi, and according to Rav. Why is it not the owner's? Because what? Because the because the thief brought it on his own behalf. He bought it for yeah on his own behalf. All right now or on somebody else's behalf, but not the owner's behalf. Now the point is, therefore, in both cases, what we said, you have a shechita ruuya. It was an unblemished animal shechted in the azara. That's a shechita ruuya. But it doesn't. But it's not considered returning the animal because either because the blood spilled before it hit the mizbeach or because it was done lo l'shem bialim. Okay. Now, Reish Lakish has a different take on this. Reish Lakish, we'll see why Reish Lakish and Yochanan disagree. But Reish Lakish learns it was v'shoged ba'al mumim. The case was, and we're going to see why it has to be specific this case, Raj says, is that the original owner consecrated an animal that had a blemish. Meaning that he said, I want, I accept on myself the responsibility of bringing an ola uh, using this animal. Now the animal had, it was a three-legged animal. Now obviously that animal could not go to the base of English. But what he now would have the responsibility of selling it, it and then taking, taking that, that money, money and using that money. So that was the case over here. Now, why does that help us? That helps us now because our question is when you shechted it outside the base of Migdash, does it not become prohibited? in consumption? Answer is, no, not really. Because, because since this animal, you could redeem it and then you could eat the meat. So it doesn't necessarily mean that the animal is not fit for consumption. Right. So that's what Dresh Lakish learns it. Now Raj explains that it has to be that he consecrated a three-legged animal, but it cannot be talking about that he consecrated an unblemished animal and then the animal got a blemish. Why wouldn't that work? Say the same thing, he stole it, it got a blemish, and then he slaughtered it. Why can't that be the case? Because Raji says that you can only redeem an animal that originally was blemished, if it's dead. Right. But an animal right. that is... No, 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 no. But, uh, but an animal that is, uh, that is unblemished, that gets a blemish, can only be redeemed while it's alive. But if it dies, it's no longer, you can't redeem oh, okay. it. So it has to be over because what makes it a shechita ra'uya is that you can eat the meat by redeeming it after you slaughtered it. That could only happen if it had a blemish from before and not a blemish after. That's how Rash explains this. So what is this? All right. So we have over here Machlokas, Rabbi Yochanan, and his brother-in-law, Reish Lokish, right? How, how to, two, three different answers, two from Rabbi Yochanan, one Reish Lokish, as to how to understand, how can Rabbi Shimon say that if you accepted on yourself Hareyalai and you made an animal carbon and a thief steals it from you and then slaughters it, how could you, he be chayav dal vehei, shchutte chutz, you shechted outside the base of Migdosh, uh, it cannot be eaten, and if it cannot be eaten, if the outcome of the is you can't eat it, then you can't call it a shchutte, it cannot be chayav dal vehei. So Rabbi Yochanan came up with two answers. Answer number one was he shechted it in the base of Migdosh, but it's not considered helping the, the owner because the blood spilled before it could be sprinkled and the owner still has to pay. Therefore, you still have to pay the dollar behay to the owner. The second answer was that you shechted it, but not for the sake of the owner. It means the owner still has to bring, uh, bring an animal, so you have to pay the owner dollar behay. That was how Rabbi Yochanan learned it. Reish Lakish says we're not talking about an unblemished animal. It means it didn't have to be slaughtered. It could not be slaughtered in the Azora. So what happened? He stole a blemished animal. Animal had been consecrated blemished, stole it. It's considered shkuta ru'uya because you can still go ahead and redeem the meat and eat the meat so you could ultimately eat from the animal and therefore you chayv dal 
for such a such a shechita. Okay, Tahi ba Rabbi Lozer. Rabbi Yochanan had a student who became his colleague. His name was Rabbi Lozer, a great man. So this is Rabbi Lozer, the Amora. Rashi says Tahi was perplexed by it. That's what we translate. Rashi comes from a lotion of when you smell the wine. You smell the wine to see if it's of good quality. Means he did something he smelled amiss, meaning he was sniffing it out. He didn't like either of these answers. So let's see inside. So Mora says, Tahi bar Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Lazar was perplexed uh, by these two answers. Le Rabbi Yochanan, the question, the problem he had with Rabbi Yochanan was as follows. He says as follows. He says, unlike a shechting of an animal that is a non-consecrated animal, at the moment the shechita is over, what's the halacha? The moment the shechita is over, the shechita is now permits the animal to be consumed. Correct? So he says, what is the critical piece, according to Reb Shimon, whether or not it's considered to be a shechita ru'uya, is when the shechita is concluded, is the outcome of that shechita, I can eat the animal or not. He says, that cannot apply to Kachim, because by Kachim, even after you finish slaughtering the animal, you can't consume it. What has to happen? Not the burning. Not the burning. What's the critical point? The blood. The zrika of the blood. The, the zrika of the, so therefore, what Rabbi Lazar is asking on Rabbi Yochanan, according to the shita of Rabbi Shimon, no shita of a korban could ever be considered a fit shita for the laws of Dalad Behei, because it's not the shita that permits it to be eaten. There's a delay. You have to sprinkle the blood. Therefore, it should never be considered shita ruuya. So Yechora, he doesn't understand. Rabbi Yochanan's answer doesn't help, because the bottom line is it still should be a shita she'en ruuya. That's the problem with Rab, uh, Rab Yochanan's answer, right? That's the problem with Rab Yochanan's answer, which, by the way, is a problem with both of Rab Yochanan's answers. Because at the end of the day, since you still need to do zrika, if you still need to do zrika, it's not considered a shechita ruuya. Now, what's the problem with Reish Lakish? Even in Reish Lakish's case, where you don't have to shecht it, you cannot shecht it in the Azara, so you don't have a zrika, but it's still, at the moment you shecht it, a blemished animal, is it edible at that moment? You have a con- consecrated animal that was blemished, and you shechted it. Is, is it, is it permissible to be eaten right after the shechita? If it's a blemished yes. animal? Yes. Yes or no? No, then you cannot, because it was originally consecrated. No, but it was consecrated blemished. It was a consecrated, three-legged animal was consecrated. That's how we learned the case. All right. No, you can't. You have to redeem it. If you don't redeem it, you can't eat it. It means a shechita, even after you shed it, the shechita did not permit. So it still should not be considered a shechita ra'uya, even according to Reish Lakish's answer. So it does, he says that you're trying to help Reish Shimon's shechita, that an an outcome of the community. None of the scenarios work. That's what Rabbi Lazar's problem was. So Tai by Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yochanan, according to Rabbi Yochanan's understanding, Chishach, Shechita Materes, is the Shechita of a Kachim animal permitted, Halos Rika Materes, you still can't eat until the Zrika. And even a Rizalkir's answer, which avoids that because it was a blemished animal, the Chishchita Materes, is the Shechita that permits it, Halopedia Materes, you need to have a Pidion, you have to redeem the animal, the meat has to be redeemed to be able to consume it. So in both of the opinions, you wouldn't be able to eat right after Shechita, should be a Shechita. That's Rabbi Lazar's question. 
Says the Gemara, Ishtamati say that what Lazar forgot something. He forgot the opinion of Rab Shimon. He's asking the question based on the opinion of Shimon, but he something that slipped his mind, he forgot the opinion of Rab Shimon. What does Rab Shimon hold? I'm going to see that Rab Shimon says that there are certain processes that are dependent on one another, i.e. shrit of an animal needs rika, or shrit of a certain, of, of blemished animals need redemption. So therefore, legally, it's like almost a legal fiction. Legally, we say that something that is waiting for that second process to happen, halachically, at the time of the first process, we can view it as if that second process has already happened. We're gonna give examples of it. But the point is, the, the Lushan is called Omed Lizrog, uh, something which is standing to get Zrika. Legally, we could say it's Kazorabdam, as if the Zrika was there. Kala Omed Lifto, something is waiting to be redeemed. Legally, we look at it as if it was redeemed. Now, that doesn't mean you still don't have to go ahead and do the Zrika. It doesn't mean you still don't have to go ahead and do the Shrita. But in terms of the processes, we can say that whatever the outcome that's needed by the second process is already existing. Existing by the first process. Now that helps us. Now Reb Loza's problem is not a problem. Ah, you cannot eat it by the Shrita because there was no Zrika. Since he holds that, that anything that stands as Zrika legally is like the Zrika is there, that allows us, a, a, a legal fiction, that allows us to look at it as if the Shrita is fit to be eaten. Ah, you need to redeem the meat right after the Shrita. It has to be redeemed. We look at it as if it is redeemed, which makes it is an outcome. Since that is Rab Shimon himself, that's Rab Shimon's position. He holds that. That takes away the problem that Rabbi Lazar relays, uh, that, 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 that he laid down on the positions of the position of Yochanish Lokish. Let's see it inside. So he had forgotten Hadam Rab Shimon. What did Rab Shimon say? Kala Omed Lizrog, anything that stands to get Zrika, like any carbon that has to be shed that needs Zrika, is Kizorik Dami, and Kala Omed Liftos, and anything that stands to have Pidyon is Kibadui Dami, as if there is the Pidyon happens at the time of Shrita as well. Where do we see? Now we're going to go through places in Shas to show where we see this, this, this principle being borne out. So Kala Omed Lizrog, where do we see this? Desanya, we learned in a brisa. Now this is a brisa in Meseches Menachos. The, 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 the case that it's referring to, is the principle it's referring to, is learned in the Torah. It says as follows, that if you have a vessel, that's an earthenware vessel, it cannot become Tameh from the exterior. The only way it can become Tomei is if a sheretz falls into the interior of the area, of the vessel. The airspace, then it says, Kala Ochel, any food that's in it that, is, that, that, that can be consumed will become Tomei. So from here we learn there is a concept of Tumas Ochlin, that certain foods are susceptible for Tuma. There's a special Tuma called Tumas Ochlin, that foods are for, for, uh, are susceptible for tumor. So if you have a non-food item and it's not a vessel, it might not be susceptible to gobble tumor. It has to either be a vessel can become tummy or a food can become tummy. But if it's not a food item, it's not become. Now the question is, how do we define a food item? Is a food item based on legally that a Jew's allowed to consume it? Or is it that anybody's allowed to consume it? And what if it's also to be consumed? Is that still considered to be a food? So that is a question, and we're going to introduce the opinion of Rab Shimon here. Rab Shimon says like this, what would you say about Nosar? 
Noser was that there's a part of, Noser is an animal or parts of the animal that was supposed to be brought at a certain time. Either they were supposed to be consumed on the Mizbeach or consumed by, uh, by a person. And there was a time delay that caused a disqualification. So now, that food, technically, which is a food, that now became disqualified from eating and from benefiting, can it become susceptible? Is it susceptible for the Tumas Ochlin? So Rabbi, La- Rabbi Shimon says, it depends. What time, where was the time, at what time did it become to, uh, disqualified in Noser. So some Noser cases, the food could become Tomei, and some Noser cases, the Noser cannot become Tomei. Now let's build it up. Let's see it inside. There is cases of Noser where, there, where it can either, with the Gersh question, if it's susceptible to Kabbal Tumor, can transmit Tumor, but either way, it cannot transmit if it's not susceptible. So there are some cases where the Noser has the capacity of transmitting or, 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 or the susceptibility of Tumor. But yesh nosar However, there are cases of nosar where once it becomes nosar, this item can no longer become tummy. Now, ketzad, what is the case? So now, the lan, if it spent, it, 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 it was a type of carbon that needed to have zrika before nightfall. Certain carbonas that carbon toda has to have zrika before nightfall to be a kosher kodem. And the problem is lan means it spent the night. It, which, uh, it, it spent the night, lifnei zrika, before zrika, means you did not do the zrika before nightfall. Ochlin. That piece of nosar, that piece of animal, is not going to be susceptible anymore to the laws of Tumas Ochlin. But let's say you did do the zrika, and we're gonna just, this is the simple translation, we're gonna see it's not what it means. But let's say you did do the zrika before nightfall, and then the problem was, that um, you never ate the meat within the right time, and it became no sir. In that case, it is metametumas ochlin. It does, it is susceptible to a tumas ochlin. Now the simple understanding would be, is because if you never did the zrika, it was never fit to be consumed. But if you did the zrika, you just waited too long, it was, it was at one point fit to be consumed, so therefore it's still, even if it becomes no longer fit to be consumed, it, it still is susceptible. But that's not how Rab Shimon explains this. The Chachamim explained Rab Shimon what he meant by did it, did it, uh, did it spend the night, did it not spend the night without Zrika? Kaimalan in Maseches Menachos, we explain the following. My Lifnei Zrika, what does it mean that it was spent the night before there was Zrika? Kodem Shemira Lezrika, it means like this is that the shechita took place right before nightfall. We're gonna see. It was so close to nightfall that there was no time even that what? That you didn't even have the time to throw the blood. And the Agar Zrika means, and it was after Zrika, not that there actually had to be Zrika, but it means when the shechita occurred, there was enough time. There was enough time, there was La'achar Shemira, there was a fit time where you could have done the Zrika. Now the, 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 the Quran explains it. 
Korem Shaniru Lizriko. It what does it mean that it's before it became ever fit for Zriko? Mahi, what's the case? Shlo Havis Shaws Bayom. There was not enough time during the day. The Mishka the Mishka Day Samalishkiazachama, the person saw so shechted it. So much means there wasn't even a potential of doing it. There, so therefore, right, and Ainamatam and to his Oakland. So this was never even potentially fit to become a food. Why? Because at the time when the Shrita happened, there was never a time to make it fit. But Achar Shanira Lizrika's Dam. And what does it mean that you became Nosar after there was a Zrika's Dam? It means after it was fit for the Zrika's Dam. Not that you had to have the Zrika. But it was after there was a time when it was fit to have a Shah's Bayom. This was uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. No, you, you had four hours. You, you never did it, you but it doesn't. Work. But it's still okay. What's still okay? It's considered susceptible to Kabul Tumah. And even though there was no Zrika, this will be Matama Tumas Ochlin. Alma, what do we see that Rabbi Yochan, Rabbi Loza's shita is like, I mean, Rabbi Shimon's shita is like this, that anything that stands to have Zrika, even if Zrika wasn't done, we give it the status, we give it a status like it had the Zrika. And if only if it didn't have enough time, What's that? You can't eat it because the blood was not... Oh, no, we're not talking about even you're allowed to eat it. Because you're never allowed to eat it. it means, the question is, does it susceptible to Kabul Tumah? Oh, uh, uh, is, it, is it considered a food that's Kabul Tumah? You're not allowed to eat it. It's no sar. In both cases, no, no sar. No, no, I understand. But had it been thrown, it would have been... Okay, forget uh, it. Sorry. So they have yeah. Alma, point we're saying is like this. The point we're trying to bring over here is that you see Rav Shimon holds of the concept that even if Zrika wasn't done, legally at the time of the Shechita, we can say it's as if the Zrika was done. But that, and where do we see that from? Because in order for a food to be makabal tuma, a food makabal tuma, there had to be some point in time in this food's lifetime that it could be viewed as edible. Now, how could it be edible? Lachora, any carbon yeshech still needs rika. But the point is like this, if there would have been time to be able to, the potential that makes it as if it's edible and never be able to susceptible the Kabbalah Tumah. But there you see, you don't have to have the rika. Now that answers Rabbi question. Rabbi says, every kachim is not fit because it still needs rika. No, because according to Rabbi Shemin, at the time of Shechita, we can view it as if what? If there's time to do the rika, it's as if the rika is legally has taken place. That's correct. That's correct. Just it's a t- it's a time lapse, but it's all, but it's not a legal situation. All right, now that takes care of the first principle. His questions on Rabbi Yochanan. What about on Rabbi Lazar? Rabbi Lazar said that if the animal had a blemish and you shechted it, so therefore you chayv dal. But hey, he says according to Shimon, you chayv dal, but you can't eat it now. You have to do pidyon. The opinion hasn't happened until later, so the shechita, the outcome of the shechita wasn't a, an animal could be eaten. So on that we said that if it's same idea, if it's fit to have pidyon, we can view it as if the pidyon takes place at the time of the shechita. Where do we see this concept? The sign we learned in a brayso. The case over here is talking about uh, we're dealing with a para adumo. Now, a para adumo, right? A very expensive animal. What happens if you have para aduma a? And then there's another paraduma that shows up that's such a beautiful paraduma. So what you want to do is you want to redeem paraduma A and now uh, purchase paraduma B because to let that. We're going to see that Rab Shimon holds is that, uh, uh, where's the place? So now, so we're going to see Rab Shimon holds that even after the animal has been, sl- first animal slaughtered, and it's on the pyre, it's on the wood pile to be burnt, you can still go ahead and redeem it. 
You can still redeem it even after it's been ready to, it's, 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 it's literally you slaughtered already, you put it on there, you can still go ahead and redeem it. Now, says it more like this, based on Rav Shimon, Paro, Metama Tumas Oflin. The Parra conveys Tumas Oflin, can receive Tumas Oflin, depends how you read this word. But nevertheless, why? Why can a Parra Duma be susceptible to the Chorah? While it's a Parra Duma, it's also to get any benefit from this animal. If you know it's also to get any benefit from the animal, so for sure when it's alive, you're not allowed to get benefit. But even after you slaughtered it, you're not allowed to get any benefit from it. So how can you say that it can be called a food that is susceptible to Kabul Tuma? Right? So you're going to say, you know why? Because you can redeem it. Aye. Even after it was slaughtered? Yes. Reb Shimon holds that even if it's on the wood pile and it's ready to be burned, it can still be redeemed. So since it has an opportunity to be redeemed, what happens to the animal after it's redeemed? It's edible, but I it wasn't redeemed, doesn't matter. Since it has the potential to be redeemed, it can be macabre tumor based on that potential itself. Because kola omed liftos is kapodri domi. Anything that stands to be redeemed with you as redeemed. So what it says like this. Since it had the opportune time, there was a moment of opportunity to go ahead and redeem it. For Amorish Lagish, Omar Shimon, he says, and Shlagish said that uh, what is considered the opportune time for redemption, because Rab Shimon's shita is that para niftes al gabe marachta that a kabara duma can even uh, can can be redeemed even if it's still if it's already on the wood pyre to be burnt as the para aduma. So Alma, we see from this as well that kolomid liftos that even if it hadn't had redemption, but if it's fit to be redeemed, then kapodi dami, then it can be redeemed, which explains right now. That's why Rish Lakish learned that it was. And Rashi explained that he talked about that the person consecrated a blemished animal. If you since he consecrated when it's blemished, it's fit to be redeemed even when it's dead after shechita. So ah, the question was, when you shechita, it can't be eaten anymore. It can't be eaten because ah, until you redeem it. Answer is that kala omed liftos kapodidami. Legally, we can look at it as if it is redeemed, and therefore it's considered shechita ruuya according to shechita of Rab Shimon. Now the Gemara digresses to ask the following question. Rabbi Yochanan learned it's talking about an unblemished animal, but the issue was, did the blood spill or did he shecht it for the sake of the owner? Rabbi Lakish learned that it's not talking about an unblemished animal. It's a blemished animal that needs redemption. Okay, fine, but now you're not over-shechting an animal outside the base of making. So we're trying to avoid the question of why it does not become prohibited and therefore how could it be considered a good shechita? That's what they were trying to answer. So Gemara says like this, I can understand Rabbi Yochanan Lo'amak Rabbi Shimon Lakish that Rabbi Yochanan doesn't want to learn like Shimon Lakish why? because Rabbi Shimon Lakish only works if the animal's blemished the Mishnah never talked about it that doesn't have to be talking about blemished animals the Mishnah said you stole a carbon stealing a carbon that's, it's a big stretch to say that what happened was that that animal was a blemished animal so Rabbi Yochanan would rather learn that we're talking about an unblemished animal then talk about a blemished animal and say that's the case of the Mishnah. Now, that explains why Rabbi Yochanan doesn't want to look like Rish Lakish. What's the question? Why didn't Rish Lakish want to learn Rabbi Yochanan? So therefore, so Lamak Rish Lakish, Shim Lakish, the Kaboy Luk made the Matnissan. He wanted to explain the Mishnah talking about, I feel a bit mean that it's even talking about unblemished animals. Ella Rish Lakish, my time, why doesn't Rish Lakish learn like Rabbi Yochanan? And why are you making the case of blemished animal? Why can't it be an unblemished animal? Where it says like this, he, there's a fundamental issue here. 
Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish, we're going to see, argue about the following thing. We know that the two cases of Dalet Vehei are written in the Pasuk. What are the two cases? Utavacho, whether you stole and you slaughtered it, or Mecharo, or you sold it. Right? Those are two cases. Now, Rish Lakish learns, why is the Torah juxtaposed the two? Slaughtering and selling. He learns, he, has the fun, he derives the following print, uh, principle. You can only be high of Dalet Vehei on one, if you'd be chayav dalave on the other. But if there's some reason you cannot be chayav dalave on the one, then you can also not be chayav dalave on the other either. So he says like this, an unblemished animal, even though Rabbi Yochanan figured out a way how to say you're going to be chayav, you're going to be chayav dalave for shechting a carbon, where you shechted it in the azara and you spilt the blood. He, had a, he says, but what happens for dalave? Let's say it was consecrated and you try to sell it. You Could you have, can't sell a carbon. So since there's no dalad vehei in a case of an unblemished animal, says Rabbi Yishlokish, there can't be a case of dalad vehei on the shechita because the same scenario has to work for both. If it's blemished, then it works because you can be hired for selling it and you can be hired for slaughtering it. That's why Reish Lokish did not want to learn it's talking about an unblemished animal because it doesn't apply by the mechiro. All right. So Moses is like this. So Amr. So therefore. So Amr. As of my time, Alama Rabbi Yechanan. So Amr Lach. Rish Lach would tell you. It's supposed to say to Vachah Mecharo. Kol Hecha de Isub Mechiro. Whenever it's in the parsha of being Chayv Dalvei for selling, Isub Betvicha. It's Chayv in Tvicha. But Kol Hecha de Leisub Mechiro. When it's not in the parsha of Dalvei for the Mechiro, Leisub Betvicha. So then it's not in the parsha of Dalvei for the slaughtering. For Hani Kachim and these Karbonas, if they are un, he says, if they are uh, are un. un unblemished, if you try sell an animal that belongs to Beisam Migdash, you stole it and you sold it, that's not a Mechira. You can't sell something that belongs to the Beisam Migdash. That's not going to be for the Mechira. So therefore you cannot be on the Tvicha either. Okay? So bottom line over here is, so now we're going to bring proof to this machlok. We're going to show that they argue about this idea in other places too. But there's a, a fundamental machlok is here. According to Reish Lakish, if you're going to be chayav for tvicha, you also have to be able to chayav for mechira. If you cannot be mechayav for the mechira, you cannot be chayav for the tvicha. Therefore, the only way to learn the case of stealing a carbon that you're going to be chayav down is if it's a blemished carbon. Why? Because only a blemished carbon can you be chayav for the selling. So that's why you chayav for the tvicha. Rabbi Yochanan doesn't agree with it. Rabbi Yochanan says what applies by one applies by one. It doesn't have to apply by both. Two points I want to make out here before we continue on. Point number one, if you look on the Ahmed Aleph, on Ein Zayn, there is a huge toast close, Para Mitame Tumas Ochlin. I, 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 I listened to on, on last cycle, I don't remember where I saw it, but I, I mentioned last cycle that there is a Besora, there's a tradition that was brought down by the Munkachalazar, says it from the, I believe the Bidenei Yisoskar, by one of the early Hasidic masters, is that this Tosvos was written by the Balea Tosvos during the Crusades. The Balea Tosvos had been caught and taken and given the opportunity to either uh, renege on Yiddishkeit and embrace Christianity or be crucified, allow themselves to be killed. And the night before they were killed, they composed this Tosvos. And that is what exactly the significance of it is, but that's the Masora from the, the Munkachalazar, the, uh, the, the Munkachalov from the Bnei Safa. This toast was composed while they were awaiting execution in, during the Crusades. Okay, that's point number one. 
Point number two. Tosos on the Ahmed Bey's asked the following question. In our Mishnah, we had a case that it says that if you stole and sold it on Shabbos, you're chayv dalad behay, because you're not chayv, it's not a capital offense. But if you stole and shechted on Shabbos, you will be puttered from dalad behay, because that shechita, you say kam and rabbi, means you cannot be chayv for dalad behay. Ask Tosos that according to Shlokish, that you can only be chayv for the one, if you can be chayv for the other, then how could you be chayv for stealing and selling on Shabbos? If you cannot be chayv for stealing and slaughtering on Shabbos, you should not be chayv for stealing and selling on Shabbos either. Tosos' question. Good question? Answer, yeah. Tosos' answer is as follows. He says that we talked about a case where you didn't do it, you did it with an agent. So since it doesn't have to be a common Dravimena situation, it could happen through an agent, so it's Therefore, possible to have it. I don't, I, again, me and my heard humble. That, that's an answer we had before, though, about the agency. We had that whole thing. Well, no, that, that's how we learned that's the case. Right, right. But anyway, but I, I think there's another way to answer it, perhaps. I think the other way to answer, we already said before, that when we say Kamle Bidurabamine, Kamle Bidurabamine does not mean that you are not liable for it. It means in Shemayim, you have an obligation to pay the guy for what you did. There is liability, it's just that Basin will not execute, will not make you have to pay. So the question, the premise is that you can't be high for Dalad Behay, so then how can you buy Mechira? When you do it on Shabbat, it doesn't mean you're not high of the Dalad Behay. You are high of the Dalad Behay, they just won't make you pay for it. So therefore it could be, therefore it's not considered something that can't happen, as opposed to that. that that's what anyway, let's go on. Says the of Azla Tamayu that this argument between Rabbi Yochanan and Shlokish is the Shitasam in another case. What's the case? The Itma, it was stated. Hamocha Trefa, person who sold a Trefa. Now, going in the Shita of Rab Shimon, if you sell a Trefa, right? Now, that's not a, the, by Shita, Rab Shimon said, you shechted the animal, it was a Trefa, you can't be Chayv Dal Vehe. But you know, you're not shechting the Trefa. What are you doing? You're selling a trefer. Are you chayv dal v'hei for selling a trefer? Right? So here we have machlokas. Rabbi Yochanan Amar Chayv. Rabbi Yochanan says, you are chayv. Rish Lokish says, you're potter. He's potter. Why? Rabbi Yochanan Amar Chayv. Avagav delays betvich. Even though you can't be chayv dal v'hei for shechting a trefer, but he's mechir, but you could chayv dal v'hei for selling a trefer. Whereas Rabbi Shimon Lokish Amar, Rish Lokish Amar, Potter came in the lazy betvicha. Since you cannot be high for shechting the dalad for a trefer, therefore you cannot be high for what? Lesa b'mechira either. So you see, mamish, this machlokas, this nakuda that we mentioned before concerning the um, uh, concerning the the, the why Rishlokish didn't want to learn some other carbon because you cannot chayv on the mechira of an unblemished carbon. Right? Therefore, you don't want to learn about a shechita of an Amber Mishkormen. That machlok is actually brought down here in the case of the trade for Kuntra B'Shimen. Eisevei Rabbi Yochanan Eishlokish. Rabbi Yochanan asked the Kashan Eishlokish from the following b'risa. Gun of Kilayim. You sold a hybrid, a hybrid animal combined of two different animals. Utvacha. And you slaughtered it. Trefa. You stole a trefa. Umechara. And you sold it. So it says slaughtering by the case of Kilayim. It says selling by the case of the trefa. Meshalem tashlume arba chamisha. You have to pay four and five. Now, my love, the assumption of Yochanan makes, we'll see in a moment why he makes that assumption, is we're going, this is going like Rab Shimon. The sheet is going like Rab Shimon. Now, what does it say? According to the sheet of Rab Shimon, if you sell a trefa, you're day. Even though, according to Rab Shimon, if you shechted a trefa, You'd be potter from Dalvei because you can't eat it. So what do you see? That you don't have to tie 
Vicha to Mechira. That's Rabbi Yochanan's Kasha and Rish Lakish. Alma, Avogav Glaze Beticha, even though you can't be Chayv Dalvei for the Shechita, is the Mechira, you could be Chayv for the Mechira. So Alma Lei, so Rish Lakish says, Lei, who says that that price is going like Rabbi Shimon? Maybe that price is going like the Chachamim. And even when you, when you Shech the tray for your Chayv the Dalvei. Right? So now, so the, the Rabbi Yochanan pushes back. Ira Bonon, Treva Mechira Isa, Betvicha, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm a lay Rabbi Bonon. So I want to say like this. So, uh, so, so, so no, Rabbi Yochanan pushed back and says, then why did the town of the Brisa say the case of Treva by selling? That's what Rabbi Yochanan understood. Why is it sell? If you sell a tray for your chayv dal vehei, he should have said, "Well, you shech the tray." He didn't say the case of shechita. Why? Must be because it's according to Rab Shimon, it's going like Rab Shimon. So you can't say it's not going like Rab Shimon because it was going like the chachamim. Then why didn't they talk of the case of shechting it? Why talk a case of selling? So e rabbon and tray for mechira isim and tvecha leva. What? It's only chayv dal vehei tvecha mechira. This is a rhetorical tvecha leisa. So the Rab Shimon pushes back. So the so Elamai, so Thomas going to Rab Shimon. So it's going like Rab Shimon. Then in the case of Kilayim, why are you picking the case of Kilayim only a case of Shechita? What? There's no Kiyav Dalit Vehei. You stole a Kilayim and sold a Kilayim. Ask the same question. Someone says Rab Shimon Kilayim b'Metvicha Isa b'Mechira Leisa Ella. So therefore, it says Reish Lakish. Obviously, what you have to say, even though it gave an example of one, but it applies by both Tana Tvicha. Which is why it could be going like the Chachamim, not like Rav Shimon. So Morris says, so the Rabbanon Amis in the Rabbanon Shita, so if, according to you, in, in Rav Shlokish's Shita, you're going to have to, in Rav Shimon's Shita, according to Rav Shlokish's pushing back to Yochanan, why say Kilayim only Tvicha? Obviously, Tvicha is Lavdacha, Kilayim could also be Mechira. So if me, by making it going like the Rabbanon also, the fact they said Mechira doesn't mean only Mechira, it means on a Mechira, for who are the Tvicha. Says Rav Yochanan, there's a problem with that. He says, Amar Allah, I could explain to you the following. Hi, my. What, that, that, that's not a good answer. Because if it's going in the sheet of Rab Shimon, I could tell you like this. I didn't tell Trefa Bechada. Since it had to talk about the case of Trefa Bechada, uh, in the case of Mechira, it could not talk about it in the case of Tvicha. So then Tana Kalayim Bechada. So that's why I gave the Kalayim in the thing that, in the other thing, in Tvicha. Tvicha by Kalayim, because it had to be Mechira by. Uh, by, by, by the trefer. Then I can explain why it picks one by one and therefore consistency picks the other for the other one. Fine. Ella, but if you don't like Rabbanon and both work, then it should have combined the two. It should have said, if you stole or slaughtered a kalayim or a trefer, you're chayv da'al vehei. Why pick one by one, one there? You have no way to explain that. Ella, uh, so then Arvino bin to combine it together, gone of kalayim v'trefer, so according to me, it's going to explain why it picks one by the one and one by the other. But according to you, it's going to the Chacham and there's no difference between the Tvicha and Mechira. It should have put the two cases together and it should have mentioned the Tvicha and the Mechira for both of the cases. Kasha, that is a good question. The Gemara does not resolve that Rabbi Yochanan has on Rish. Lokish, you don't want to stop over here.